Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan Recap, a podcast from Clear Creek Community Church. We're walking through the entire New Testament together in 2024, and in each episode, we'll discuss the past week's scripture reading, what we've learned, how God has convicted us, and how we can prayerfully devote all of this in real ways. We hope it's helpful. Last week, I'd asked a question about when did the church stop or abandon the practice of casting lots. I actually went and looked that up a little bit. And it turns out in the section where we were actually reading last week with Pentecost, that's historically when the church kind of abandoned that practice with the indwelling of God's spirit and the the power that that affords us to discern and, you know, the way the church is structured and whatnot. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're no longer casting lots. So that was a long time ago that they actually, like, yeah. basically at You're the like, beginning was, was when we saw the, the last church, one. yeah, we saw the last one there. That makes sense because there was a structure to the church. You know, yeah. there were apostles and we see in this section that they appoint deacons. And so it makes sense that they would have a more structured way of making decisions. Yeah. So that's good. So as a reminder, if you got questions, we want to hear them. Yep. We'd love to talk about them. Uh, so you can email Clear Creek resources, resources at clearcreek.org, at clearcreek.org. Uh, or just figure out another way. If you see us walking around, you can let us know. All right, so we have uh, Acts. We're in Acts, the beginning of Acts, chapters 4 through 9. There's a lot of cool stuff uh, that happens in here. Right away, it kicks off with, what, Peter still doing his stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. They, he had just healed someone, and then the Sadducees came up because they were annoyed that he was. Yeah. They were healing and preaching and proclaiming the kingdom, showing the kingdom, and the Jewish leaders were like, stop it. Yeah, it was really interesting. I felt like even in this this week of reading, for some reason, as I read, it was like, man, these like leaders were really pissed, like more so than they were before in Luke. It's like... They, they not only do they not get it, they're really pissed at what's happening. Yeah, I don't know if I can say pissed. I think well, that's okay. I may have to yeah. edit that <laughs> out. Beep, they're beep, really, really whatever. angry. Yeah, they're angry. Sorry, guys. Yeah, people keep saying you're relatable. Ted. Okay, so yeah. well, we'll keep it. I, I think that's a really good point because when we get to um, Saul later, because we probably won't go chapter by chapter. There's so much. When we get to Saul later, it talks about how angry he was. Yeah, he was angry and he asked permission. It says he he watched Stephen. Um, get martyred and he approved of it. And then he asked permission to go find all of these, they weren't called Christians yet, but all these people who were following the life and the way, these Jesus followers, so he could bring them in and round them up and to stop. I mean, they were afraid of him, but it, but it was because he thought he was protecting God. He thought he was protecting his religion. He loved his religion and loved God. And so he was zealous to do that. So it's like some of them, it was pride, and they just didn't want their power taken away at the temple. And for some of them, it was they really didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. And I remember that first day, and even in 4, one of the things that uh, spoke to me, this idea that when they're being questioned by these people or by the leaders, he said, uh, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And just this yeah. idea of like, mm-hmm. dude, regardless of what people might be saying, sometimes it's like there's this over like – Dude, they witnessed it. They've seen, felt it, what they experienced, and so they, they couldn't help but uh, tell people. And yeah, it's just... there seems to be a shift in the way they're just going about their business and living their lives. Because if you remember, while we read through Luke, they're they're questioning everything. They're timid. Yeah. They're fearful. They don't understand things. But at this point, now after 
years with Jesus and his resurrection and the spirits in them. They're leading the, the start of the church, and they seem to be doing it with confidence. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming, like, dude, after Pentecost and the power, like, the, the, the spirit in people, the way it's working, a lot of times you see that. It's like that went with power and full of the spirit, they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. They're seeing the fruit of the work. Well, I, I, I love in this section, it, it, they, they pray this prayer, um, give us, give us confidence, give us boldness to yeah. keep proclaiming who yeah. you are. And then right after that, it talks about how they, uh, live in this common way that they give up their money, that they're generous with one another. And, and, I was just thinking about the fact that like those two things always to go, go together in the Christian life is we're proclaiming and we're living. We're proclaiming the kingdom and we're showing the kingdom all the time. And the Holy Spirit, like you're saying, it's, it's all of a sudden this different way to live and confidence. We need, we need the Spirit's power to do both of those things. And they always go together. Yep. I appreciate the way Luke connects the story of Israel and so many Old Testament passages to what's happening. So in chapter four, the uh, the prayer that's like starting in what is this verse twenty four and goes through thirty that it just describes uh, not only a prayer but they quote uh, Psalm two and so again uh, Luke is tracing how what's happening now is really the fulfillment of what has been happening mm-hmm. through the people of Israel and uh, then he also uses some of the same language in uh, verse thirty four. Talking about there was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands and houses and sold, they, they shared everything. Uh, the same language is used in Deuteronomy 15.4 when, when uh, God is describing to Moses and then through Moses to the people what it would look like to be his covenant people. So um, Deuteronomy 15 verse 4, but there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, if only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you. And so, like, the people are doing that. They're doing it. They're doing it. Yeah. And so what was promised in the Old Testament is finally being fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, they're actually living like God's people. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they're doing everything. They're healing, and there's no poor among them. It's like if you think back to Luke, because this is this continuous story. Remember Jesus, when he, when he began his ministry, he opened up and read from the scroll of Isaiah and announced the kingdom of God is coming, this year of Jubilee, and it was all those things that Lance is talking about. It's, it's no more poor. It's forgiveness of sins. It's slaves set free. All these things, he said, it's happening now, and then now you see it happen. And the people of God. And Deuteronomy 15 is actually a description of the year of Jubilee. So all these connections, Ted. That's what we were talking earlier, Mike. <laughs> it's crazy how it works. Like our minds just search and like for connections and kind of things mm-hmm. that tie. It's crazy. How we, it's like you get excited about that. Like, ah, ha, ha, Yeah. yeah. That, no, none of it's random. I mean, yeah. I, I like that to me is one of the most important things when you really start to sort of dig into the Bible and examine and study is, it's nothing is random. It's not weird. It's not random. It's, it really is this one story yeah. and one goal, and you see it start to happen, and that is exciting. It is. I think so many people have talked about, scholars will talk about, as they, as they see these connections, that's what makes them so confident that this is all real. It's yeah. not just random. It is not, these aren't stories from long ago. It is, it's a unified thing that... Uh, just is more believable the more you get to know it. Yeah, so, okay, end of four, end of five. Four Mm -hmm. ends with this idea of they had all this stuff in common. Mm -hmm. It's kind of this practice of, like, whole life generosity, in a sense, of terms we would use today with people 
you know, with their possessions and like seeing them as like gods. And then you have this example of Ananias and Sapphira where this dude ends up selling a piece of property, conspires with his wife, like, hey, we're going to keep a little bit back for us. And then, then we'll give the rest to, I don't know, the, the, mm-hmm. the apostles or however that worked there. And they recognize it and God convicts Peter and it's like, Because you're lying to the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah, you're lying to the Holy Spirit yeah. and they're like, they're dead. Yeah. It's it's very intense. That's and, crazy. And, and so I do think we, we want to recognize, first of all, this doesn't happen very often in the Bible, but it does happen. And when it does happen, I think we're, again, it's a connection back to when this has happened before. And so whenever we talk to the meaning of, of meaning of Acts, and there were there were tongue, there was fire, and there was wind, and it was the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in the people. And we talked about how the people of God are the new temple. The people of God, the church, is where the presence of God lives now, which is unbelievable. Like this new thing. Well, throughout the whole Bible, you see God's presence is holy, right? And that's a it's a serious thing. A couple of times when people have just been struck dead in the Bible is you can go back and look in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Uh, they were moving the tabernacle, which is where God's presence would reside. And someone sort of reached out to touch it and they just fell down dead. There is in Leviticus, Aaron's sons, uh, they were supposed to be in the holy of ho- the holy of hope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they weren't supposed to be in there, they but weren't they supposed walked to. in. They were, they were the priests. They'd been though. drinking. Yes. So they sinned and then yeah. walked into the presence of God in the temple and they died too. And so you're supposed to be thinking about that, which is, which is amazing because what, what we're really hearing here is that the church is the temple of God. The church really is where God's presence is that it, and it's holy. And so if you're lying to the church, you're lying to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God. And that's a serious thing. Yeah. So it's really, it's intense and it should be. This is the beginning of the church when we see what that really means, but we don't want to pass, we don't want to pass over it because it's real. Yeah. And I think that's super helpful because I think, you know, the average person who uh, doesn't have that context might read this and come to a completely different conclusion, understanding and conviction about what, what happened there. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if it was, Every time someone lied about finances in the church or stole from the church, it would be a lot of people who <laughs> were struck down. Yes. Yeah. But it really, it really is showing us that the, the church is the temple of God. And Luke's got to make that case because Jesus said in front of the Pharisees that if you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. The temple being the place where God's presence, it's, it's a symbolic and physical location of God's presence. Uh, and Jesus is saying, this won't matter anymore because God's presence will be in his people, like Rachel's saying. And so that's why Luke's tracing all this out. Yeah, that's good. Anything else in, in chapter five as we we move on, skip ahead that jumped out to you guys or you wrestled with that day? Yeah, you start to see uh, the consequences of talking about Jesus, healing people, arrest. Be, like at one point, I think... Um, a couple of guys are arrested and then they're freed, uh, but they were beaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, and it's it's almost glossed over, not glossed over, but if, if you're not paying attention and really thinking about what happened, because Gamaliel convinces yep. the other uh, guys like, hey, let's just wait and see what happens with this. You don't want to find yourself mm-hmm. opposing God. And they're like, okay, set them free and beat them first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And, well, and then I've noted that they rejoiced it worthy to suffer yeah. in the yeah. honor of Christ. So it, it was like, yeah, uh, yeah, they beat us. And yeah, I think like th- we've talked about how I know Lance talked last week or a couple weeks ago about um, how we can have confidence in the veracity of the gospel because the disciples really were willing to die for this. And so I think even like in this little section, when this Jewish leader is saying, Hey, there's all, there's all of these leaders who pop up with disciples and they all just scatter. They go away because it's not real. But if this is real, they're not going to go away because they're going to be persecuted because it takes all this endurance. And to me, this is this really cool little apologetic right here. Hey, if, if, if this is from God, it's going to last. And we're about to see it explode, you know, even in the midst of all this suffering. Yeah, one thing I forgot that I'd underlined, it was a question, was when when uh, Peter uh, and the apostles answered the people that were judging up in, uh, what verse is this? Gosh, I have a tiny, my eyes suck. 30. Uh, we must obey God rather than men. The God mm-hmm. of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as the leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given uh, to those who obey him. And so I, what I was wondering there is like, what I, what were the Jewish leaders, um, what was their understanding of the Holy Spirit? Because what he's saying there is kind of like, listen, not only Jesus, but look, the fact that the Holy Spirit is here now, that's another, that's like more evidence. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. They, so, they what, found... so what did they, I mean, because they, they, the Holy Spirit existed. It's reference, I mean, it's talked about. So did they see after Pentecost this recognition that that was... The Holy Spirit? No, or? I mean, they considered it blasphemous to speak about God in this way. Okay. To, to speak about God, that, that his spirit would come dwell in a person. And, and that, that was part of their problem with Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God. And so their, their category for who God is and how he functions and exists and three in one, like that, that was all being blown apart. And that's, why, that's part of why they were mm-hmm. so upset. And, that, but I and want... they're still accusing them. They, that's why they still keep asking the question, by whose authority? Yep. Yeah. You're still going to keep seeing that, just like they asked Jesus, by whose authority? Yeah. And he said, well, who, who gave John the Baptist authority? You know, I mean, he, they always are asking this question because they're really accusing them of being against God, yeah. of having the power of Satan. And they're saying, no, that's actually, that's actually you guys. Yeah, I guess I wondered if it, especially in the next section, where they kind of are like, oh, wait, hey, what if we're on the wrong side of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, thing that they see the sign, they see the 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 spirit at work, maybe, or they recognize that in some way, and so. Well, there's so I will. There's you, you go ahead. No, go ahead. There's there's two there are two sort of sects of Jewish leaders, and one of them was uh, let's just sort of live and let live, and that was that was the group that this guy came from, okay. and so his philosophy was just sort of like, hey, everything's fine. Let's just follow the Torah and we'll just be a light. And that's what we do. Don't worry about this. But then there was another group of Jewish leaders who were like, we, we have to get rid of this. We have to attack. And so he just sort of won that debate. Yeah. Okay. But, but also some of these religious leaders responded to Jesus with curiosity and, and they, they recognized his teaching was legitimate and that he was really healing people. And then certainly some of them knew, like we talked about before, that the curtain split from yeah. top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there are evidences, and some of these guys seem to be aware of that. And so it, it, we don't know. 
yeah. exactly how that played out, but some had to be thinking, this might be real. Okay. Moving on, because the guys, I want to keep this one tight. We could have been a little bit long on some previous podcasts, so I'm trying to get through it. Um, six, they identify some people to, I guess, like, not not be preachers and do some work of the church, I guess, or what? Uh, yeah. That's what's... Yeah. I mean, I think this, again, I mean, we saw this with Moses whenever he was a leader and he had to delegate. I mean, this this movement, this Jesus movement was blowing up and they had a priority to proclaim the gospel. I mean, especially right now, but also they knew that a part of that was to show this upside down kingdom, to care for the poor, to, you know, inaugurate the kingdom of God everywhere. So they had to figure out how to do that. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. And that's how we get Stephen, who then, Stephen gives a pretty big speech in seven. Who, so he was a, he was a deacon who was, who was ministering to widows, and he also was proclaiming God's kingdom. I think that's yep. important to point out, because sometimes when we read this, we're like, oh, so I do this and you do this. No, like, you might have this primary role, but we're all yeah. doing was, and that, proclaiming. You know, that I did wonder that when I was looking, it's like, okay, hey, we got we to gotta preach the gospel, we got to do this stuff, and so all these other, like, kind of ministry duties are going, uh, yeah. whatever. So we're going to get these people to do it. So they say, these are the people who are going to do it. And then it talked about, okay, and so Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing wonders and signs among the people. And so it's like kind of like, whoa, he's... Yeah. He's doing all of it. Yeah, he's yeah. doing all of it. With, so. with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm, yeah. Right. And then he gets pulled before the high priest yeah. and questioned. And he is brilliant. So for those... Uh, first of all, if you feel like you don't know the story of the Bible, you could keep coming back to this and let it soak in. Because he starts with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and goes really through the Old Testament and into the, into that. But man... Uh, how brilliant was he it's, to just tell the story? Brilliant. Yeah, and it's even he—he's telling their story to them. Yeah. yeah, they're accusing him of blasphemy and of going against Moses. He says, "Let me remind you of Abraham and the patriarchs and Moses and the prophets and what you, what you've always done." Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty interesting hearing it laid out in that. It's kind of like how we we talked about Luke, the condensed writer, like distills it down. This, yeah. I mean, this story really is a condensed. It's the almost like a Cliff's Notes of the Old Testament. Yep, and just kind of giving the overview. Or yeah, I mean, I'm like, I told paper. I told my husband, I was like, Stephen's like my guy. Like, like this is the to me the the best way to help people understand what God is doing. This is who I mean. It's just what Jesus did at the end of Luke. Then he went through you know, all of the Bible and told them it's all leading to me. And that's really what Stephen is doing here too, but he's also accusing them. They're accusing him and then he accuses them. This is what God has been doing through leaders, through prophets, through the temple. And yet you have always been, we have always been those who we seek idols instead. We reject God's people and you're still doing it now. You're rejecting the anointed one, the Messiah and his disciples, and you're choosing to protect the law and you're choosing to protect the temple whenever God's presence and spirit is here. And that's idolatry. That's really what he's accusing them of. And that was a very big accusation. 
I think it's interesting too. It makes me like not wonder, but like it's kind of cool this idea of like if you think about you know when Jesus, uh, you know, before his ascension, he's he, he's the scriptures and how they all point to him and like this like model of like what was passed down. It's like what we hear Stephen doing here, like man, that's what the apostles spent that time doing before you really get into the birth of Acts or do they have this revelation of like, oh, wow, all the Old Testament, it really does point to Jesus. In fact, like, let's study and become aware of how this, all these things, um, you know, it's Jesus is the fulfillment of all, all, all of this grand story. And so. Yeah. And loaded into all of this, when, when he would just speak the name of Abraham, that for everyone there is going to pull up the, the covenant God had with Abraham, that, that, through Abraham, God would create a people that would uh, be united to him, but then be a blessing to the world. And so he's he's just tracing the promise of God through all these people and and pointing out, like Rachel has said, that they they are in line with all those who have not fulfilled and been a blessing to the nations and lived as God's obedient people in covenant. And, and now through the Spirit, you see it happening, and he's trying to point that out. Like, that's what we've been doing, and... And you crucified the king. Mm. Yeah. And then I, I love like he, so he's being accused by who was supposed to be God's people right here. And then he has this vision whenever he sees Jesus standing at the, the right hand of the father. And that's really us seeing Jesus in his kingly role, the right hand, but also his priestly role. He's standing there and he's, he's mediating for Stephen. It's this really beautiful moment of, you know, you're accused in the world, but but Jesus is in heaven representing you. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. When he when he claims to to see the clouds open yeah. and Jesus at the right hand, that's when everyone comes unglued. I mean, that's it. That's the end of Stephen's life. Yeah. Because he and he calls him the son of man, which is if you remember we talked about before what Jesus referred to himself as from the latter chapters in Daniel and he's saying like it's true. He really did ascend into the clouds and is at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. On a, you know, reigning and mediating yeah. for his people. Yeah, I, I think that for me, even just as an overarching thing with with all of the chapters we're reading, um, is as I think it's easy to sort of gloss over this. Oh, the, all these things happened, but but to me, what really sticks out is we really are going to suffer for Jesus. I mean, there is there is a lot of this willingness, like you said, they were they're rejoicing. Oh, we got to suffer for Jesus. That's so great. We were beat and they rejoiced about it. And then you have Stephen who proclaims this knowing exactly what he's saying and exactly what's gonna happen. Um, but he just follows in the footsteps of Jesus. And then you even whenever we get to Paul and he's um he's already seen Jesus and Jesus has told another Ananias, like, Hey, go and tell him who I am and open his eyes. He goes, this, this guy is the worst. Don't make me do this. And he said, no, he's my instrument and I'm going to show him everything he will have to suffer for me. I mean, that's really his, his word to Paul is like, I'm going to show him who I am and show him what he is going to have to suffer. That's real. And I think it's, it's, you know, in Luke and in Acts, we don't want to gloss over that. You know, this isn't a shiny American version of Christianity. I mean, that to me was very convicting. Am I willing to suffer for Jesus? Am I actually willing? Do I rejoice to suffer? I'm not there. Do I rejoice in suffering for Jesus just to proclaim his goodness and be a part of his story? Yeah. What does suffering for Jesus look like today? 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean it looks like us. for for Clear Creek people. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it certainly looks similar to this in a lot a lot of places in the world and a lot of history, but right. but probably not for us. But it certainly can look like suffering, which is part of what makes us uncomfortable. Is right. when we think about like, all right, so I understand people have suffered, people still suffer. But what is that supposed to look like for me? Should mm-hmm. I seek out suffering or yeah. should I be living in a way where my faith brings consequences in this world? Yeah. So what would those consequences be? Yeah. Well, I even think about, there's a story about Simon the Magician um, in it, probably eight. the next chapter, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah. he sees the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he sees who, what Jesus' name does. He says, give me some of that. And, you know, Peter's like, no, absolutely not. Like judgment will come if you even try to have it for that reason. And I think that's also important for us. Do we, do we want to follow Jesus for power, for prestige, or are we following Jesus because of him, because of who he is and what he offers, willing to suffer for it? You know, those are sort of the two ways people react. Yeah. All right. Let's, 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 let's uh, skip ahead a little bit. In, in eight... Um, I'm trying to think where we are. Wait, well, I'll jump. We I'll jump yeah. in in verse five. I'll so Philip back. went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them to Christ. And again, Paul uh, Luke is making clear to point back to chapter one, verse eight, that that once the uh, apostles and followers of Jesus had the Spirit, that they would start in Jerusalem, but then they would the message yeah. would go out. Mm-hmm. And so through the persecution of Stephen. And his martyrdom, he, he is stoned. People leave Jerusalem and they take the message of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit out. Yeah. Something terrible that happened that God uses for good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which ultimately leads us then as we get, uh, we, we see an interaction with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. That's, that's a common story we hear about as it relates to like faith and bat- belief before baptism. Yeah. That's a... Um, I don't know. Is there something else? I feel like you gave me a little like. Oh look, no! Like, it's, it's, oh wait, that, there's some gold no, in I mean, there. You, you just, well, there's gold through <laughs> all of this. Know, we yeah. could just keep parking yeah. in places, but uh, I mean, that's one of those stories. It seems so wild. First yeah. of all, that this guy's riding down the road in a chariot reading, reading Isaiah. Isaiah yeah. yeah. Which, if you haven't picked up on, Luke is pointing out you need to know Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a challenging book to know, but it's worth exploring. But the Philip, the Ethiopian eunuch's reading Isaiah, and he's like, "How can I know who this person is?" And Philip tells him, and the guy's like, "Oh, bingo! I get it." And he's baptized, and then Philip disappears. You have all these crazy acts of the Holy Spirit, but uh, yeah, people it's, are believing. And it's and it's remember this. I think it's hard for us to understand how wild it was too that the Samaritans were invited in, and then then this guy, this eunuch from yeah. from from Africa was invited in. I mean, this is what we've been talking about the whole time in Luke with Jesus. Everyone is invited in, all the outsiders. You're starting to see that. He tells him he's going to do it and you start to see it. This is new. This is, this is the promise of Abraham. Like Stephen said, it's, it's a light to all the nations. It's going to be a blessing for the whole world. And you start to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the next, then in the next uh, chapter nine, even with uh, Saul's conversion. It's for the people who are persecuting yes. uh, them. It's, it's, it's literally for everybody. And so that's, yeah. I mean, that's always a, I guess, a, a story for the ages there. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think, uh, if I remember right, Yancey wrote an article on Clear Creek Resources some years ago about it's, Saul didn't change his name to Paul. <laughs> it's not like an Abram, Abraham situation. It's just his 
his Jewish name and his Roman name. Yeah. So it's the same guy, same. Yeah. God didn't change his name. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing I was encouraged this day, it just made me think about, because, so the days leading up to this, it was a struggle for me, like some weeks. And then it's like, man, why do I feel like, why am I still not like super excited to do the readings yet? It's like, man, am I like a bad Christian? You know, I've had people be like, hey, even like the podcast, like, oh, it's been an encouragement. Like, or like, hey, I, I've enjoyed the podcast. So I'm thinking like, oh, maybe that'll be good motivation for there me was to like want to like st- stick with reading. <laughs> right. And yet I still am like, it's like, it's like work to like do it. Yeah. And so then I get down on myself thinking like, man, why don't I have a heart for doing this yet? Like, am I just like a bad uh, Christian I know I'm not, but it's, you know, you go those routes, but then you read stuff like this and then you think back to like, man, how God uses like unlikely people or how how God still has a plan, unwilling people, yeah, still has a a, a purpose. So ultimately I I found encouragement when I finally got to the end, I think nine was the last day. So it was just encouraging. Okay. But it took all week to kind of get there and get to that point to, to do that and feel like, okay, he can still use me. Even yeah. I, I can't be that bad, or even no, I am that bad. I he's still going to use me, thankfully for the gospel. Well, listen, there is a sense work. in that it will always be work. Yeah, uh, I, I remember years ago, a few of us cycled a lot. MS one fifty did all these. You know, we would we would do a lot of road riding, and someone told me one time uh, that riding a bike, if you want to, you want to ride long distance, it it never gets easier. You just get faster. So it's always hard work, no matter what. You just become better at it. Yeah. And so I, I've remembered that and thought uh, about studying scripture is mm-hmm. similar, at least for me. I, I My heart is in love with the scriptures, but it still feels like work a lot of days. Yeah. To, Only to because get it is. That's right. Well, and I think work and desire is the, the thing that it's like, I want to wake up and have the desire to yeah. open God's word and to do the reading and to engage with it fully and, you know, to to do bread. Yeah. Uh, I think that we we feel like we have to have this emotional response to studying scripture like that it, that is equal to our emotional love for God. And and th- that doesn't have to be the same. Like I love God with everything that I am. I'm so grateful for Jesus, but still when I do this I'm like I have to do this. Yeah. You know, and it's still worth it. It's this long road of obedience that is good and worthy of the effort, but it's still, it's not, it doesn't have to feel the same way. Yeah. All that to say, I'm, I'm grateful for what, uh, the, how the gospel affords, uh, a different perspective and a new, um, a newness of everything, I Mm -hmm. guess. And so even though I might feel like I'm weak and lacking in, desire, motivation, you know, it's still gonna, it's still gonna come around. Yeah. God's still gonna. Yeah. I, I, I loved reading this section. Cause like you're saying, like, like, like can God really can use me because that's something I struggle with a lot. Like what, like I, who am I, what do I have to offer? And then you read about Peter and you read about Ananias you read about Paul and you go, he, he really is. I remember in, our, in uh, the sermon a while ago about the canon, when we were talking about the, it, it is a partnership. God, that's how God chooses to restore the world is partnering with mankind. And that he, he chooses us, even yeah. though we 
persecute him, even though we're fearful, even though we deny him all these things, he still chooses to partner with us. And it's so good to be reminded of that. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's not going to be easy. Like you said, what he tells him, he's like, and don't worry, I'm going to show him how he's going to have to suffer uh, for me. So, um, anything else there as we, I guess, wrap up, look at this. I think one thing I had here was, um, the difference in nine versus, uh, 20, the end of 27, this idea of, uh, preach boldly in the name of Jesus and then preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Is that the same thing, just mm-hmm. said a different way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. One thing that I, whenever I was reading through this, and I mentioned this, like we begin with Ananias, we end with Ananias, and it's, there are two different people and two different stories, but it's the difference between, you know, lying to the Holy Spirit and um, being self, all the things that God does not call us to, and the reality of that, which we have to acknowledge just like whenever Jesus says harsh things about like judgment really is coming. Whenever it's coming, it is coming eventually. We can't skip over it. But then in this last section with Paul, Ananias says, God, I don't want to do this. This guy's going to try to kill me probably. Why are you asking me to do this? And God says, go, go do it. And he does. He's faithful. And so it's this difference between lying and just truth, like going before God and saying, hey, this is hard. Why are you asking me to do this? And God's saying, do it anyway, and then being faithful. I mean, you know, it's like these two really radically different ways to respond to God. It's worth pointing out in the first one that it seems likely in the story that uh, Ananias and Sapphira could have kept back some of the money for themselves and just been honest about it. Yeah, right. right. And so what they did is they, they actually became like Pharisees. Who who puffed themselves up and you know yeah. when Jesus is we, talking about like praying in the streets and uh, trying mm-hmm. to show the things that you're doing, that's that's who it, they it resembled. Was the, yes, and then hypocrisy. At, that's right, hypocrisy. And then at the end, the story we have is more like Jesus saying, "Not my will, but yours." Right. And those those are the two differences we see. And I think all of us would want to say, "I want to be the not my will, but yours" person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you for sitting in on another Bible reading plan recap. Week six is it? Was it six yep, again? We counted before six weeks. Uh, I know my memory. I can't. I can't. I can't remember what we talked Lots about of ten minutes ago. That's the way it goes. Um, well, I get, we've been closing in prayer. I feel like fit like either one of you guys feel led to to pray for us. Yeah, I'll Let's pray. Close it out today. I'll pray. All right. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word and the way that you use it to teach us about you and. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to do this together as a church and to see connections, not just from one book to the next, but across the whole story. Would you shape us to be people who say, not my will, but yours? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's Bible Reading Recap. We hope these conversations are helpful as we all seek Jesus and His Word. Listen, if you go to clearcreekresources.org, we have a lot more resources dedicated to helping you study the Bible. Because when we open the Bible, God opens His mouth. Let's continue to seek God in Scripture together. We'll see you next week.